Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Seeking Refuge podcast, and uh, thanks for tuning in to uh, to this podcast. It's uh, it's a good message this morning. We're going to make it maybe a little bit uh, brief for uh, what I normally do, um, but we're going to do this lesson this morning. Then I'm probably going to take a couple weeks off, and we'll start a new season um, of the podcast here in a couple weeks. We're going to start looking at the resurrection of Jesus. I'd really like to do a a comprehensive, in-depth look might take a few weeks um, just looking and, and focusing on the resurrection, the importance of it, um, because that is, you know, pro- in my my conviction, is the single most important event to the Christian faith is the fact that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Um, but it's, uh, it's good to be on the podcast this morning. It's good to have a, a Bible in front of me. And to have a little time at home and just looking at some things and thinking about worshiping and thinking about, you know, Jesus and our interactions with Christ and the faith. And and uh, was reading in John chapter 4 about the woman at the well and uh, just had a time to meditate on, on worshiping God and on how God approaches us, how we approach Him. Um, when a conversion takes place in our life, when we first come to a place of believing on Jesus as our Savior. And uh, man, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to share this with the podcast. You know, I'm always praying for God to give me something. Um, and uh, I believe this is the message He wants for this morning. So this is the direction we're going to go. So turn, turn, uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. And uh, we'll be reading quite a bit of the chapter um maybe not all of it but at least the first 30 verses of it we'll read here in a minute and again i just want to welcome you back to the podcast this is the seeking refuge podcast where we uh, are coming together and uh, we're seeking refuge from the world in god's unchanging word we know the world is changing very quickly a lot of things happening right now um Many Christians are weary uh, because of things happening internationally. And you know what? We don't need to be weary. We know what the Bible tells us. We know that we're living in the end times. We know Jesus is going to come back. We just have to be steadfast in our faith while all of this stuff is happening around us. And uh, not to worry, but to give it to God. Amen. And uh, so, you know, here we are. We're going into the Word of God. We have... Psalm 91 verse 2, theme verse for the for the podcast, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. He's where I go for refuge from the world. I, I seek those things which are protective, security, um, comfort. I seek in God. And He also provides those things, but He also is my fortress. He keeps the outside world um, from having that negative impact on what he's done inside of me, inside of you as a Christian, and he protects those things. He's our refuge. He's our fortress. My God, in him will I trust. We can trust in the Lord and uh, praise God for that. So let's open with a quick word of prayer, and we'll we'll dive into John chapter 4 this morning. Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for another day and an opportunity um, to have my friends on the podcast come together with me and study this Bible uh, devotional time and um, 
Lord, just just the way your spirit speaks to us through the scriptures, Lord, building us up, establishing us, keeping us strong, renewing our strength and our hope daily, Um, because it's a daily walk with you, Lord. And uh, all of us have things that we're dealing with in life, and the world around us is, in all honesty, Lord, is scarier by the day. But, uh, but we know you as Savior, and um, Lord, we know that you're going to take care of us and that you have our best interest in mind, Lord. We, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you, Lord. You're good to us, you're worthy of all praise, and uh, we want to give you all praise, honor, and glory every day of our lives, Lord. Um, we ask that you bless this study this morning. Lord, I thank you for everybody that listens to the podcast. I ask that you bless them, Lord and um, take care of their needs and help them with their burdens and Lord as you're helping me with mine and I just thank you Lord that we get to share this great faith with one another whether it's at our local church over the podcast or whatever it's just truly amazing um, to see how your body all fits together to serve you and uh, in anticipation for your return Lord Lord, bless the study this morning. We need you. We love you. And uh, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John chapter 4. I'm just going to start at verse 1. And we'll read through this. Uh, Let me find verse 1. It's a pretty long chapter, actually. So verse 30, I think, is only about halfway through. But here we go, starting in verse 1. And the scripture reads, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Let me just say this. First thing going on here uh, in verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, but then in verse 2 says, though Jesus himself baptized not. What in the world is happening there? Uh, Let me tell you what's happening. Um, It looks to me as if the very first thing um, that, that, that the Pharisees tried to do to the ministry of Christ was to inject a division, right? It says the Pharisees has heard that Jesus was baptizing more disciples than John. Um, what they were trying to point out and threaten was that John's popularity was declining. Um, they were attempting to use the fact to stir up some kind of jealousy or contention between the disciples of John and the disciples of the Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, when, when God gets to work in a ministry, the very first thing the devil wants to do is try to stir up some kind of division. And the number one cause of division in our ministries and in our churches is when people start getting jealous and contentious and uh, between 
between each other over things that are usually extremely petty. And I'm tell you what, Baptist church, Baptist people out there, you know, I'm Baptist. I'm going to go ahead and point it out to you. The number one thing is stirring up jealousies and contentions in some of our Baptist churches are these so-called soul winners out here bragging about how many people they're leading to Christ, making other people feel inadequate. And half the time, it's a sales pitch, and you could care less if the people that are being converted are actually being converted and convicted of sin or not. Um, We got a problem in our churches with this. This is just the very first thing that they tried to do was cause division. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't even address that issue. It says that when the Lord knew how that they Lord knew about it, the Lord knew what they were doing. He didn't even stoop down to that level of petty behavior. He just packed up and left like, I don't have time for this. And where did he go? Well, he went to, uh, to Galilee. Um, so he's leaving, he's leaving an area of Judea where the Jews are at. You know, Jesus was sent to minister to the Jews and he's going to Galilee, an area that's very populated by Gentiles. So while the Jewish people were trying to pick apart the ministry of Christ and derail it before it ever gets started, Jesus is illustrating a very simple fact of the gospel that because of their unbelief, he's leaving the Jewish people to take the gospel to the Gentile people. Now, God's not done with the Jewish people, but we're not studying that this morning. Um, there'll be a regrafting. There's there's a lot of things in the Bible dealing with the, the fate of Israel and the Jewish people. But he left the Jews to go to the Gentiles. A simple illustration there. And then, uh, and then Samaria, um, on the direct route, between the two points, um, and it's a region extremely despised by Jewish people. Um, they would even often take a roundabout route to go through another way. In other words, like if any of you have ever lived in a big city that has a dangerous part of town, and at night or whatever, you'll go around the one part of town and just avoid it altogether. Um, but Jesus is pointing out here by going into Samaria. Um, not taking a roundabout way. Uh, it says he needed to go through Samaria. You know what's happening? I'll be quite honest with you. The woman at the well had a divine appointment to meet the Savior. And when Jesus wants to, to meet with somebody, he's not worried about what part you're in or where you're at, how despised the area is, how poor the conditions are. Jesus, when there's a divine appointment, Jesus will meet you there. And and that's that's amazing to me because, you know, it doesn't matter. People can get saved in prison. People can get saved in the housing projects. People can get saved wherever there is faithfulness to take the gospel and minister. People need the gospel. It's not a rich man's religion. It's not a poor man's religion. The gospel can convert anybody from any uh, income bracket. 
whatever we want to identify it as social class. I don't really like defining things like that social class. This class is higher than that class. We're all a bunch of busted up sinners in need of a savior, whether you got money or not, because money is just a material thing. Uh, but so Jesus is willing to go wherever you're at today. Uh, and, and he's, he needs to go through Samaria. Jesus needs to go through every corner of this darkened earth to shed the light of the gospel and reach people where they are at. And, uh, thank God for that. So traveling through Samaria, we have the interaction coming up here, the divine appointment with the woman at the well. So let's go a little further now. Uh, I think I covered uh, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey. Let me point out, Jesus was God, but he was also man. So as a man, Jesus would feel the same kind of distress from the long journey walking that we would feel. It was obviously going into the, the heat of the day, and he was weary. He was thirsty. He was tired. Jesus as God would never be wearied. Jesus as man was wearied. So you're seeing the... God in the flesh, the humanity of Christ right there. So being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour, about uh, what noon or something. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink for his disciples were gone away and unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria, Unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that thou that, that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Um, sometimes people push away Christ because they think, you know, God wouldn't want to deal with me because of what I've done or who I am or this and that. And, uh, and basically God's answer to that is if you only knew, um, if you only knew you would ask and you would receive, um, the living water, you could receive salvation. Doesn't matter what you've done and, and all that doesn't matter who you are. If you believe on Christ and you ask, you'll receive. Um, I think it's also kind of interesting here. We'll go one more verse. Verse 11, the woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? This is kind of a typical thing when a sinner encounters God, the gospel the Bible. The fir first thing we need to realize is that we have a tendency to be proud and argumentative with God when we first encounter God in our life. And that's what she's doing, right? She's being proud and she's being argumentative. Um, and so she's kind of calling out the Lord. Like, you ain't got no living water. How are you going to have living water? You don't even have nothing to pull out the well with. Little does she know. Um, and then she asks him this in verse 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself 
and his children and his cattle. It's an interesting statement. How could she refer to Jacob as her father if she's a Samaritan woman? Um, do you see? Do you see? Um, there is some evidence here that she had some spiritual understanding. Because she just referred to Jacob, who who the, the Jews would refer to Jacob as a father, but she's calling Jacob our father. So she is showing, even though she's a Samaritan, even though she's a Gentile, even though she's in sin, even though she's been outcasted, even though she's showing religious understanding, um, and and some theological understanding. That's what she's trying to do there. And sometimes when we're talking to somebody who's lost, they try to show that they have a theological understanding of Christianity. Right? Okay, great. Do you know him in your heart? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Boy, that's the water we need. Amen. Um, that's, that's the gospel. That's eternal life. That's the Holy Spirit. And once you've accepted Jesus in, once you've asked for salvation, once you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, your life changes and that change is permanent. The woman... Verse 15, saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Mm. Now we done brought her lifestyle into it. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. Now, what's going on here? So, um, I think this is the way I take it. This is the way I want to present it. There's a lot of a lot of things. We could talk, you know, this is a very deep passage. We can talk hours about it. Jesus brought her lifestyle to the forefront as a test. All right. He's presented, the just like the gospel presents, this is what you need. The response was, what do I need to do to have this? Give me that. That's what I want. We present the gospel. The law should say, that's what I want. Jesus said, I have water that you'll never thirst again. She said, give it to me, please. Now the lifestyle gets brought to the forefront of this because Jesus is testing, one, are you honest about yourself? First of all, for a sinner to get saved, they've got to be honest about who they are and they've got to be honest about themselves. The fact that they're lost, they're in sin, their lifestyle is not acceptable. A lifestyle of sin is not acceptable to God. He's looking for repentance. He's looking for honesty and that that is something that, and, and look at the interaction that takes place here. As we go further, this is kind of typical as well. So now the lifestyle has been brought to it. The woman then says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Here we go. What did she do? The lifestyle got brought up. Now we've changed the subject. When we preach sin, 
Those who are in sin, they may want to get saved, but if they like their sin or they want to avoid thinking about it, they change the subject. Now she's back on to this theological stuff. Earlier, she established that she had understanding. She even called Jacob her father. Now we're getting into theology. This is a t- classic this is a classic diversion tactic of an unregenerated religious person. Let's talk about theology. Let's not talk about my lifestyle. And here we go with theology. So uh, she wants to change it about worship. So Jesus saith unto her, uh, verse 21, uh, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship Ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Let, I'm going to wrap this up because like I said, we're kind of short on time this morning. But so she changes the theology to worship. I think it's important for us to understand that to worship God in spirit and truth, you first have to get to the point of honesty with yourself, acceptance of I need forgiveness I need that living water. I need the Holy Spirit. I need salvation. The true confession of, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I need your forgiveness. Forgive me, Lord, and save me, Lord, from my sins. Save me, Lord, from the consequences of it. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. Please save me. Give me your Holy Spirit. Begin a life inside of me, Lord. Amen. And, and, and begin that relationship with Jesus. Okay. It's a prayer of, you know, I can't give you the words to pray. You have to believe in your heart uh, that Jesus died for your sins, was risen from the dead. And confession from the mouth is a outward profession of what, uh, of the conviction and belief in your heart. You've got to be convicted of your lifestyle. You got to be convicted of the need. You have to know that you need Jesus. And then you go to him and he gives you the water that you'll never thirst again. Then you get into this topic of worship. Um, You know, this was a theological issue. She says, where to worship, Jerusalem or in the mountain? Okay, a new believer, what church should I go to? A Catholic church, a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Pentecostal church? Where do I worship? Okay, hold on, preacher. Here we go. Jesus' answer to her was, it's not where you worship. It's with what heart are you worshiping with? It's not the name on the church door. It's whether or not 
You are worshiping in spirit and truth. If you're not regenerated, it doesn't matter what building you walk into and what pew you sit at and what the seating looks like and what the lighting looks like. It doesn't even matter what version of the Bible they're reading. If you're lost, none of that has a significance. It's with what heart are you worshiping? The point of the message this morning is this. The central issue of worship is, first of all, worship is for those who have been born again and and believing on Christ. The second thing about worship is, um, when worshiping God, it is about the heart in which we approach God and the fact that God desires a purified and true heart from those who would worship him. God wants you to get saved first, then worship, because once you're saved, you have the appreciation and understanding of who you're worshiping and why you're worshiping him. I'm worshiping worshiping God because he's blessed me with eternal life and forgiven my sins and lifted that burden and made, given me life in a whole new perspective. So let's put it this way. When dealing with the woman at the well, understand, just as the disciples, when they came, you know, marveling, wow, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Okay. You know what's illustrated here? That God is more concerned with the condition of the heart uh, spiritually rather than somebody's reputation, rather than somebody's location, and rather than somebody's situation. You get that? This woman at the well, she had a reputation. She's been through some men. She's in an a, in a, in a, uh, inordinate relationship with a man that she was living with and not married to. Um, the Bible points out in this text as well that marriage is not sex. It's a covenant, Right. Um, you have to have the marriage covenant to be married. It's not just sexual relationship. All right. So she has a reputation location. She's in Samaria. She's in a despised place and she's in a bad situation. She's coming to the well at noon because she's so ashamed of her life. She doesn't want people to see her. She doesn't want to be mocked and scoffed and, and sneered at. And you know what? We got a problem in our churches with Christians wanting to sneer and stick their nose up at other people because their lifestyle's messed up and it's got them going into hiding. This woman was hiding from other religious people. We should not be doing church in such a way that the people who need Jesus the most are hiding from God because they're ashamed. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the thing about it is, Here she is in Samaria. Here she is in a situation and God was more concerned with the condition of her heart. So here's the message this morning. One, to worship, you need to be saved. Two, to be saved, you need to be honest with yourself and go to Jesus. Three, most important thing, do not make where you are at what you are going through or what you have done bigger than the God that you serve. Jesus has brought the forgiveness. Jesus has met you at the well. Jesus has given you the the Holy Spirit. If you've been honest with yourself and gone to him for salvation, 
You've got the water springing up into everlasting life. The past is done away. Behold, all things have become new. Whatever you've done, whatever you've been through, wherever you're at in life, those things are not bigger than the Christ who has saved you, the Christ who has called you, the Christ who is equipping you, and the Christ who is sending you. How does the message with this woman end? She goes forth back into the city announcing the work that God has done and then others went to find for themselves, to find out for themselves about Jesus. Is this not the Messiah? And they want to find out for themselves. That is now the woman with a testimony that people want to hear. What an amazing transformation. What an amazing divine appointment in the Bible. And there's divine appointments happening every day. And praise God for it. And I'm praying today that somehow through this message, God has made a divine appointment with you for listening in. Opened your eyes to some things. Maybe look at it in a different perspective. It's a very popular passage in the Bible. But uh, I was really just thankful today because I've been going through some things, but I'm thankful that where I'm at, what I'm going through and what I've done is not bigger than the God that I serve. He's bigger than all those things. And I thank him for it. Thank you for tuning in to the Seeking Refuge podcast this morning. And uh, let's close out with prayer. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you do a work inside of us, that you change our heart, Lord, and you give us a heart that it's acceptable to worship you and approach you and praise you, Lord, and thank you, Lord, um, because we didn't deserve the grace that you've given us, the salvation you've given us, Lord, but we're honest with ourselves and we've come to you and uh, and you've blessed us, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the, the well of, of living water. Thank you for the living water that you've put in each of us, Lord, that believe. God, I ask that you bless this day. Bless all of my friends and in, in, on social media, the, you know, all my friends at church. And um, Lord, I thank you for my pastor. And I just, I just thank you for everybody in my life spiritually, Lord, my family. And um, it's good to be in your blessing, Lord. And I pray a special blessing on all those that listen into the podcast every week. And uh, help us, Lord, embrace the truths of this chapter and apply it in our life, Lord, for it's in your word that we truly have hope and refuge and protection, God. Bless the remainder of this day, Lord, and um, bless all those that listen to the podcast until the, the next time we get together and do another study, Lord. We love you. We thank you for this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in once again. A couple weeks, we'll be back at it talking about the resurrection and um, just thank you again for everything. And we'll see you next time on the Seeking Refuge podcast.